Welcome back to the Coming Up Winners podcast, your favorite sports gambling podcast. It's a daily dose of gambling. You get it from me on social media, and usually Andrew Lynch is here joining me. He's actually out today, so I'm joined by producer Conrad, a degenerate college basketball gambler. And folks, we have another guest. I know you loved our guest last week, and this week's, um, it's pretty, he's incredible. Uh, I've actually never met him, but he is so damn smart that he is the guy behind the algorithm that has been dominating college basketball. I've talked about it a little on social media, and we're going to dive deep into it here to start championship week. Uh, joining us on the phone from a country that is not the United States of America, Let's welcome in Ross. Ross, uh, good morning out here in L.A. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm tremendous. I'm very excited to have you. Um, and producer Conrad, you know, I started sending him some of your picks. By the way, I've been sending to to about a dozen people. I hope you're not too upset, but uh, <laughs> your picks have been so good, Ross. We're going to dive deep into your algorithm and the machine you created and your background. Uh, let me just clue in the listeners into how I met Ross. Um, so my son is in second grade, and he sat next to a girl who, you know, he became friends with, and I would drop off my son at class, and I would sometimes wear, you know, a Super Contest t-shirt. And I guess the dad, who I know listens, sees the t-shirt, and we eventually start talking about gambling. And I don't know if he heard the podcast, or if he made his, saw me on TV, or saw me on social media, and he mentioned that he's got an algorithm with his buddy. And I say, wow. So he starts sending me some of these picks. And like right out of the gate, he was lights out. Um, and eventually, uh, he kind of went away from sending me picks. I was like, uh-oh, maybe, you know, this is proprietary. They don't want to share it. And then they started coming back. And Ross, these picks for money. Um, and I got to say, once he connected us, I was like, we've got to get this guy on the podcast. I want to dive into your background briefly. Uh, first of all, like why college basketball and how come you haven't uh, started any other sports? Let's start with college hoops. Yeah, so uh, Amit and I, the, the guy you met, we started going out to Las Vegas. Uh, well, he's actually been going longer than me, but in about 2005, I started going out with him and a bunch of his friends uh, to watch college basketball and um, gamble on the games out there. And I'd always been a college basketball fan, but I really hadn't been introduced to that world before. And so... Uh, as the years went on, I have a history of uh, or a background in computer science, and I've done some artificial intelligence stuff. So I thought to myself that it would be interesting to try and create some sort of algorithm that might help me gamble, both because I found it interesting, but um, also, frankly, because I've just didn't watch enough and study enough to know the game well enough to really know what I was doing. So uh, just I'm sure the listeners out there are like, okay, Ross, we want picks. Who, who do you got tonight? Uh, who do you got this weekend? First, uh, I'll just say this. Ross has a protected social media account. It's private, and he doesn't post picks anyway. Uh, this is a guy with a real job, folks. Uh, a lot of the listeners here, hey, may, they might have good jobs. Uh, you know, Ross has a lot of things going on, so we're going to keep him a little vague here. Um, but if he keeps giving me these winners and I post them, you know, you guys will end up getting them. Uh, so Ross, you, um, start betting on college basketball and you decide what, okay, I'm not going to win throwing darts, uh, or doing my own homework. I've got to build some kind of machine. That's exactly right. I just, I knew that I wasn't, you know, deep into it enough. I mean, I love the game. I love watching the game, but I knew I wasn't deep enough to really be a good gambler. And so throwing darts is fun enough, but I just thought, you know, maybe this way I could give myself a little bit of edge. 
And when you look at this machine that you built, again, we're not asking you to give away all your information, but what kind of information goes into the machine um, that's helping you crush college basketball this season? It's basically all the kind of statistics you might think about when you think about college basketball. So for any given team that's matched up on a particular day, you look at all the kind of stuff you might imagine, like uh, you know, field goal percentage, two points and three points, turnovers, assists, rebounds. Uh, but then some of the deeper stuff, like the things that you know Ken Palm has, for example, and his four factors, and pretty much any kind of piece of information I can glean about those two teams. Uh, I look at how the two teams have performed over the recent past and, and weight how they've done in the most recent games a little more strongly. Um, but I also look at how their opponents have played against other teams and in particular against common teams. So if Duke and North Carolina are playing, for example, I look at Duke's stats, for example, but I also look at North Carolina and how they've played against common opponents because you want to kind of get you know gauge how well the opponent is that the, that the, the particular team is playing. Now, one of the big things that jumped out to me when you started the machine was spitting out picks is they're very obscure games, okay? Like Moorhead State, Arkansas State, not a lot of value or edge is on the marquee TV games, which is what everybody loves to gamble on, right? I mean, you know, Kentucky's playing Tennessee. You want to get down on the game, but the machine didn't give anything. Do I throw a dart and try to get it right? Or do I just follow the machine and bet on games like Chicago State? How do you uh, how do you uh, handle that? Like wanting to watch the games that are on TV and gamble on them versus hey man, I'm just going to bet on UMBC against some team nobody's heard of. Right, right. Yeah, it's a great question because you're right. Like I haven't studied it super objectively, but it does seem to pick up those more uncommon teams where I'm sure the handles are much lower on those particular games. Uh, and I don't know if that means that the you know the public wagering happens to sort of get closer to what the eventual truth will be. And so those more uncommon games where there's presumably less money, there's more of an edge potentially. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like definitely it seems like it's got money in those uncommon games. But honestly, I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of fun to watch the McNeese States and the Chicago States and UMBC and all those <laughs> kind of teams. Uh, although I will say I got real lucky about a week ago. My buddy was coming into town, uh, actually one of the friends who goes on our trip together. And so he was coming to town. We're going to go out, get dinner, have some drinks. Unfortunately, uh, the machine spit out these marquee picks. You know, it was like, uh, I forget exactly which day it was, but it was Duke somebody and like Virginia somebody. And so it was great because we were at the bar and could actually watch uh-huh. the games that we had, you know, that we had, that we had uh, picked. So when you're talking about this machine, though, and this is uh, producer Conrad, and do you do, do you actually pick which games it's spitting out or you just go to it and then it just spits out these random games, whichever one has the best probability to win? So it'll predict what it thinks every game is. Every game on the on the slate for the day, it will make a pick on the score. So the output that spits out is both teams both have. So it basically gives you four numbers, like how much each team will score in the first half, how much each team will score in the second half. And then it also compares what it thinks against the spreads. Uh, if there's big differences in the spreads, either the spread or the totals, that's where it'll make it. That's where the you know I feel like there's value in that pick because – if you believe that this model or any other model, you want to try and exploit the difference between what the actual outcome of the game will be and what Vegas is setting the spread or, or total at. So it'll spit out totals or you know, spreads and totals for everything, but a lot of the games will be within a half a point or a point or two points of Vegas. And so there, uh, you know, if you believe the model is true, then you're just kind of throwing darts again. So you kind of want to find those ones where there's big differences. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Now, how, how long did it take you to actually make this algorithm and to put all this together? 
I've been working on this, I think, since 2010 or so. Uh, I think I give you a little bit of background. Uh, you know, I, I was a computer science major way back in the 90s, and so, uh, you know, I had a little bit of background on this stuff, and this was like a great sort of fun application for this. Um, but I've been working on it since then. Now, back in 2010, it was pretty rudimentary, and back then I was just happy if it was spitting out numbers that were sensical, you know, something that was even really close to Las Vegas. <laughs> You know, not like completely nonsensical 200 to zero scores or something. Uh, and so then I've been finding it over and over the years um, and automating a lot more and more of it. So it'll pull down stats, check the spreads automatically, send out emails to me and a few of my buddies and so forth. Um, and now, so I've done a lot more testing now sort of prospectively because I've been collecting all that data since, I think I've got data since 2013 and all the, all the games and all the all the, all the match, matchups. And so I've been periodically sort of testing how it performs prospectively to see which model works the best and which sort of combination of tweaks works the best. And the one this year that you've seen that has been pretty successful, I think, uh, is based on all that testing. All right, Ross, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are listening to this podcast wanting to know, should I bet Duke Futures to win it all? Zion Williamson is hurt. How does the algorithm and the machine, how, do, how does it impact it by injuries? Yeah, it's a great question. So that's sort of a known deficiency of the current model. So I don't take player-level data into account. I just look at the teams themselves because it's not that you couldn't do it. You certainly could look at player-level data because it's all out there. You certainly can know what the lineups are and what player stats are. Um, but it makes it an order of magnitude more complicated because not only are you tracking probably an order of magnitude more data, but you also have to try and adjust for what lineups on the floor, what's the opposing lineup, you know, what teams and all the lineups, it just makes it incredibly more complex. So it's something that I sort of keep in my mind when the picks come out. So one good example was when Zion got hurt. So Zion got hurt, I forget when that was, maybe a month ago or so. And um, and uh, the next day, the machine spit out an under on the next Duke game. And I, to myself, I was thinking, and it really liked the under. And so I was thinking to myself, well, I know the machine doesn't know that Zion's hurt, and so if it's saying under on this next game, then I really like the under because you got to imagine that Zion's giving yeah. them extra points, right? So, so I sort of keep it in the back of my mind, but um, but you know, in a perfect world, you would take all that stuff into account, but I don't currently do that. Yeah. Now, so speaking of like the Zion injury and everything, and it, it has to be impossible to try to keep track of what star players or what players are hurt for teams in certain games. Now, whenever you do know the players are hurt or anything, do you tell your friends, hey, just try to stay away from this team because I don't know what the injuries are going to amount to for the uh, for the algorithm? Yeah, you know, a little bit. I mean, I definitely keep it in my mind. Like I said, I, you know, the, the ones that I that definitely pop up in my radar are the ones like Zion, where it's a real sort of game changing superstar. At the, in the college game, and I'd be interested to see what you guys think, but I don't really feel like, you know, there's a, there's a top tier of really elite players, you know, that, that sort of top 10 draft picks and so forth that are real game changers. They're going to alter the game quite a bit, but there's not a lot, you know, the vast majority of players, I feel like there's pretty decent replacement. So if it's someone, you know, a bench player or someone, I'm not going to pay too much attention to it. But, uh, but folks like Zion, you know, I think you definitely need to take that into account. All right, let me let me ask you then, Ross. Um, Reed Travis is a big six foot eight senior, Kentucky. He was a monster for the Wildcats this year. He's been hurt. He's missed the last five games. Kentucky hasn't been as dominant in those games. In fact, they got smoked by Tennessee, barely beat Ole Miss, struggled with Florida. It, it's I mean, again, the Arkansas game was close. 
Now, Reed Travis is probably only what, uh, Conrad? Maybe their fourth best player, third yeah. best player. But he's clearly integral on the interior. They got murdered by Tennessee. Uh, uh, it's something like a Reed Travis injury for Kentucky impact their futures or what you would gamble on them going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think so. In this case, it's kind of the reverse because, like I said, the machine waits the most recent game. So the way Kentucky's been playing in the last five games is sort of the flavor that the machine has for them, right? So so it's almost like in that situation, right now, as long as he remained hurt, I'd probably sort of trust the machine to some degree. And then if he came back, I might – you know, in my mind, give Kentucky a little bit of an edge based on what machine's spitting out. Because right now, you know, the next game, you know, few games or so, it's basically basing its predictions on the on him not being on the team. So, uh, what about the fact, Ross, of something like a revenge spot or a motivation or a look ahead? How much does that factor in? Uh, to the machine, or does it not factor in at all? For instance, uh, you know, late in the season, right before Duke-UNC, Duke had a cupcake game, I think, at home against, who was it, Conrad? Georgia Tech. And they were like 24-point favorites, uh, and Georgia Tech nearly won at the buzzer. Maybe that was a look-ahead. Can can the machine take any of that into account? Yeah, that's another great question. I I don't, you know, I, I have not built it currently to take that stuff into account. Um, I personally don't uh, put a lot of weight into like spot or revenge games. Uh, you know, I'd be interested again to know what you guys think. It's again something that you could potentially model, but it's a little hard to think about how you do it because you sort of have to look at this. You know, how do you define what a revenge game is? How do you define you know what a spot game is? How do you define what a cupcake or look ahead game is? You know, you have to look at the schedule, and I suppose you come up with some algorithm like. You know, if it's a team that has a way worse record, maybe this is look ahead, or you know, if this is Duke UNC and UNC beat them before, and so forth. Uh, but I think I think that's even you know honestly a little bit trickier to model than even player level data because it's it requires putting some sort of concreteness around what I think is a really sort of subjective you know thing like what is a revenge or spot game. Uh, but currently, it does not. Oh, yeah. So there may be situations where I might again sort of like Zion like you know, in my mind, just tweak it a little bit and say to myself, okay, you know, I might tweak this a little bit from what the machine said, but uh, but it does not, the machine does not take it into account. No, I mean, that makes sense. Now, one question I have is, so you do this all college basketball season. You obviously get more data as the teams play more games. And final question I'm going to ask is going to end up revolving around the NCAA tournament. Do you find the algorithm gets better as the year continues? And how do you find these matchups when it comes to NCAA tournament time? Because a lot of these teams have never played one another or even played a common opponent. Yeah, that is a really great point um, because it makes me a little nervous come tournament time because I feel like the machine really gets into its rhythm late in the regular season because, again, it's regular season games, you know, you sort of know what's home and away and you don't deal with neutral sites and so forth in the tournament. And just like you said, yeah, exactly. Like take Virginia, UBMC, or sorry, UMBC last year. I mean, those guys never play each other, right? So it's hard to know. Yeah, I think you're getting less information because you know less in particular about the opponents and the common opponents. Um, so I, I definitely still use it when we go out to Las Vegas every year. Uh, but, but it, you know, I think there is definitely some other funny factors that come into play come tournament time. Oh, no. That, that's not good news. <laughs> I was banking on this, Ross. Uh, all right, hey, Ross, now let me ask one of the questions. I'm sure we got a lot of listeners out there saying, man, I would love to build a machine like this, but that guy, Ross, he's in artificial intelligence, computer science. You know, I'm just a, an accountant here uh, pushing papers in a cubicle. Uh, what do you say to people out there who want to build a machine 
is this something anybody can do? I mean, you've been doing building the machine for nine years. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would say two things. Like, there's two things you need to be able to do. Like, probably the hardest, I'd say, is to get all the data because you need to come up with a way, especially if you want to automate it. If you've got time to, like, handcraft your data sets and handcraft all the inputs and outputs and so forth, you know, that's fine. But to try and automate pulling down all the data you need for every single game, all the spreads, all the totals, all that kind of stuff, and update that all those, all those things is, you know, a fair amount of work. So that's honestly finding those data sources, I think, is sort of the trickiest part. It's a really interesting time in artificial intelligence because they're, it's really being democratized so that people, it's becoming much more approachable to people to be able to do artificial intelligence. So there's a lot of sites and libraries and other stuff out there that make it easy for you to get it and take some lessons, watch some videos, uh, develop your own technology. There's one website I like in particular, and I have no stake in this, so I have no conflict here, but a website called Fast.ai, which is a, run by a guy from San Francisco, and he makes these videos that teach you about artificial intelligence. He makes uh, coding libraries available to you to use, you know, walks you through all this stuff. There's a big community of people who do this stuff together. And it's a very interesting, like I said, a very interesting time where people can sort of get into this. And I mean, you do have to have some ability to approach computer science and programming, but it's really designed to be approachable by as many people as possible. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Now, did you build this whole thing yourself or like when you keep trying to add to the algorithm, do you try to reach out and get other people's like references or just even other people that you work with in AI? I mean, just finding other ways to add to it. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that it seems, you know, whenever I talk about this, people think it's really interesting and they think it's cool and they kind of want to know, you know, about our annual Vegas trip and all this other stuff. Uh, but nobody else really seems to want to do it themselves. And I don't know if that's because they're too busy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, right? So I don't know if they're too busy doing their work or too busy doing whatever. And, you know, I have to be a little careful because I can't really bring it, you know, I can't be on some work project and be like, hey, guys, like, can you help me tweak this hoops algorithm? Uh, yeah. so, so I have to keep it all very distinct, of course. So it's funny. I really haven't found that many people, but I'd be interested to see how things evolve over the next three, five years because I think people will get into this kind of stuff a lot more. Like I said, it's becoming much more approachable. There's kids in high school, you know, learning how to do artificial intelligence models. And, I mean, sports gambling is becoming more popular. Sports, obviously, is very popular, certainly college basketball. So, uh, you know, there's got to be people out there doing it. So um, it would be interesting to know what, else, what other people are doing. Uh, before we get to a couple March Madness picks, I have one non-college basketball question. Ross, and I've asked your buddy admit this, why is there no – NFL algorithm. I mean, we absolutely need a machine breaking down the NFL. Those lines are impossible to crack. You know, you can hit, I was around 59-60% this year in the running in the super contest and then, you know, the final 3 weeks was just a disaster and it the NFL is really tough. Have you considered building a model for the NFL? So I have and my friends have asked me and I'm also interested in other things like baseball, hockey, uh, you know, soccer, all that kind of stuff. I'd be interested to know when you're uh, for football. Are you looking at spreads and totals, or are you looking at money line and uh, and odds on the actual game? Well, for the super contest, it's with the spreads. I mean, frozen lines on Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, what were you were you thinking there? Because it doesn't seem like there's an edge. They're the tightest lines in all of sports. But I mean, Conrad and I have heard stories. Hey, man, WNBA. You can, there's a lot of edge that can be found there. Baseball uh, in certain months of the year, you can find an edge. I don't know. NFL is just the most fun, and it's the most challenging, and you want to win that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something you could look at. I'd be, 
to me, it sort of seems like it'd be almost better to look at the uh, money lines like you might for baseball or hockey or, or soccer or anything. Uh, and back to your previous point, I think you're right that things like the WNBA, off, you know, sort of off-season or low-season baseball, like it's kind of like the UMBCs out there where there's not a lot, not nearly as much action on those games. So I think there's going to be a better edge for you to exploit. Um, but I think the spreads and totals on football are going to be tough, not only because there's so much interest, but because the amount of any individual score, you know, take a touchdown, is going to be 10 to 15% of a total on a game, right? So any, one fluky play yeah. can, like, throw you from, like, way under to way over, whereas basketball, any given basket, I mean, there's certainly cases where you might lose just by the hook at the end, but it, it's less common. There's more granularity to it. So I, I feel like there's going to be more flukiness in football. Um, but I think it's very interesting. So if you keep on persuading me, maybe I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right, Ross, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, I know you got to get back to more important things. The listeners out there, they uh, they value winners. Um, obviously, it's tough for uh, you to you know give us results on games where we don't even know the spread yet or the brackets. But are there any teams currently that are projected to be in the field where you found value? Uh, or are there any teams that the machine just irrationally likes that you've seen pop up yet this week? <laughs> you know, the funny team, the funny team that the machine loves that is not going to be in the field is Chicago State. It, it seems to love, give, you know, Chicago State is a big dog. Um, as for the tournament for actual contenders, uh, the problem is I really only do it looking a day ahead at a time. So I won't, you know, set the, mm-hmm. uh, the machine picks for the tournament till after Selection Sunday. Um, but the ones, and now I'm really going back just to intuition, but the ones I like are the teams that are sort of tested, right? So the, the Dukes and North Carolinas and the teams that have played through the ACC and, and big uh, conferences like that, whereas teams like Gonzaga, I think you guys were talking about, or I think you guys were talking about Virginia on a recent podcast. is another team that I like. Yeah. Uh, you know, solid teams where I wouldn't look at their loss last year as something that's really predictive of this year. I agree with you a lot on that point. So, you know, it's those battle-tested teams that they might have three, four, five losses, but they've been losing to top-tier talent. And so, you know, those are the teams that I would look for. So, Ross, I have one final question myself. As a Wisconsin Badger fan, <laughs> how often do you bet on the Badgers and how often does the algorithm hit? Because that might be in my wheelhouse. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's funny. I really try to stay pretty unemotional about it. So I'm not afraid to bet against the Badgers uh, if the machine says so. Um, and just like we were talking about before, it tends to steer away from the higher profile game. So Badgers certainly are the highest profile team in the, in the, in the land, but, uh, but they certainly are compared to a Moorhead or McNeese or whatever. Um, so I don't see them pop up too much. Uh, the machine seems to be pretty close to Vegas on the Wisconsin games typically. So, uh, it doesn't come up too often, which is probably good because it doesn't test my emotion too much. Uh, all right, Ross, final one from me. Uh, are there any coaches historically in these nine years you've been, you know, feeding the machine that you seem to like more than others come March. Um, you know, some of the coaches, obviously, Chris Beard at Texas Tech is a guy that everybody seems to want. UCLA wants him bad, but there's not as much data on him going back in March. Uh, Coach K, there is. Roy Williams, there is. Uh, how much does coaching matter in March to the machine? Well, it, 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 it you know, again, he just looks at the team's stats, but doesn't really know that a coach has been around. Uh, but all I know that Izzo always covers. Mm. Ha! Izzo! Jeez, I don't really like him at all. All right, Ross, uh, we'll get. Hey, thank you for taking the time. You're not even in the United States right now. Uh, this is our first phone interview we did. Hey, great stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, obviously, we will. I'll continue badgering you for picks. By the way, the mm. machine spit out nothing on Monday or Tuesday. 
Uh, a yeah. little disappointing on my end because now I got to pick games without your input. Uh, by the way, do, does the, do you see anything yet for Wednesday's games? Uh, no, not yet. So we did one run this morning, and it was very, very close to Las Vegas. So uh, later tonight, we might pick up some of those uh, McNeese and Moorhead type teams because those, those, those lines get posted later. Uh, but you're right. Today it's been it's been super close to Las Vegas, so no real no real edge. I forgot this one, Ross. Do you ever bet teams without the machine, like Gonzaga tonight? Ken Palm has them winning by 12, favored by, I think, 14 and a half. Uh, they got the big kid Tilly back. He was banging threes last night. I already took him 14 and a half. I think it's up to 15. Is that Would you bet on that game if the machine didn't say bet on the game? You know, I really wouldn't. There's very few cases because I've learned <laughs> that my instinct is generally worse than the machine. So I, I, I stick pretty close to the machine. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, Ross. Hey, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for the great information. Uh, you know, I'll continue to uh, get the picks from you. Hopefully, you'll keep sending them. And uh, good luck with AI and everything. And by the way, if some rich money bags dude listens to this and tries to lure you away to build a model, um, don't do it. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Right, it was my pleasure. Great stuff on college basketball, building a machine, March Madness. I mean, Conrad, that's way out of my comfort zone. Building a machine, artificial intelligence. I went to the website that Ross mentioned. Uh, if you missed that, it was fast.ai, right? It looks like a foreign language to me. I mean, I mean it like, might as well be. I don't understand this stuff. I've got to get up on it because... Listen, Conrad, you know, I don't, I don't like to say we're throwing darts because we study this stuff, but... I think it feels like college basketball gambling in general is going to be heading toward this kind of stuff here in the next five years. I think the time he puts in the algorithm is the same time we put into picking games, though. Whereas his brain just works differently with how he can crunch numbers and how he goes about that stuff. We actually look at the games. We look at the injuries. We take everything into consideration where he just kind of looks at the two teams and says, let's go with it. Which, yeah. is, which is not doing it justice because algorithms are yeah. brilliant. It, it, that, that's interesting. When I look at some of these games, you know, a deciding factor for me could be like, oh, this team's terrible at shooting free throws. I can't bet on them in a close game, you know. And the machine, like, has that in every other stat that I would consider offensive rebounding, you but know. But what he also said that I love, too, about some that builds algorithms is he doesn't put emotion into it. Where me yeah. and you, once we get burned by a team, that really does affect how I'm going to bet on that team going forward. If I lose back-to-back games by free throws or a bad end-of-game play... I won't go for that team again. And that's that, and that's the emotional part of it. And that's why with gambling, you can't play with emotion. Yeah, and that is a big problem. Uh, for instance, last night, uh, what, Monday night, I had San Diego getting four and a half. They were in a dogfight all night. Uh, and, and at the end there, they lost it. And I was pretty ticked off, right? I mean, obviously, they could have been a cover. I had a, uh, a loss there. And I'm thinking like, okay, the team that beat them didn't look good. I'm going to fade him, and I, t- I got Gonzaga tonight. Watch Gonzaga blow it, and I'll screw it up. All right, let's pivot to the NFL, Conrad. Uh, Andrew Lynch will be back Thursday. We'll do much more college basketball Thursday, heading into championship weekend. Going forward twice a week, every Tuesday, Thursday yes. through March. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. But first, we want to touch on NFL free agency. Uh, it's been popping as we record this uh, Tuesday morning. 
There is no signing of Le'Veon Bell yet. Apparently, he's down to the Jets, uh, allegedly the Bears, allegedly the Ravens. I don't know how much I believe that. I think it's I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the Bears. The Bears aren't going to be in play for him. I don't know why the Ravens would be. I mean, uh, it just something seems off here like the agent's trying to use my Jets. But uh, we'll wait for Le'Veon Bell news and then uh, act accordingly. I want to look at a couple teams who I think enhanced or hurt themselves this week in free agency. We'll go back and forth. I'll tell you right now, Conrad, a team I am already looking at to bet the over next season. Maybe the number will come out at seven. I will like the over on the Detroit Lions. Uh, I like what they've done. I know Matt Patricia. Uh, the narrative out there is, oh, they're just getting Patriots players. It's Matt true. Patricia's a goofball. Um, I just want to say, when you looked at the numbers this year, with on Johnson, they were pretty good. If, if he was getting double-digit carries, they beat a couple good teams. Now, of course... Uh, the problem happens when he goes get down. There was no fallback option. They finally got a pass rusher in Trey Flowers. I like him a lot. Pro football focus numbers love him. Good slot corner in Justin Coleman. And Justin I like Coleman, they gave him the same amount of money Richard Sherman's making. $9 million. Uh, Col- Coleman's a younger guy. Sherman was coming off the injury. I like the Amendola signing. Again, in the right position, with the right coach, he can succeed. Adam Gaze used him. You know, Danny Amendola led the Dolphins in targets and receptions last year. Like, he's still a good, productive player. And the other reason I like the Lions, Conrad, I think there will be some regression from the Bears. Uh, Lose their defensive coordinator. Uh, I think they've lost two or three defensive starters. We'll see what happens there. Uh, And I think the Vikings, uh, they they were able to convince Anthony Barr to come back. Um, But this is a team that uh, was, you know, did not meet expectations this year. And I don't know. I know the Packers improved defensively, but I don't yeah, know if did. Aaron Rodgers is going to hold up. They, they got two awesome pass rushers, and they got three defensive starters. But I will like the Detroit Lions over. If I see seven, I'm going to be taking this, the over. Yeah, you know what? I Actually, I like that. And what people what, – it drives me bonkers because I've watched plenty of Matt Stafford in my life. Matt Stafford might end up going down as the leader in every statistical quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. He kind of came in the league right when they really started to go with the air raid and they spread it out. He really might go down as a Hall of Fame quarterback and never win playoff games. Yeah, zero playoff wins in his career. But I think he's on track without question for the Hall of Fame. So is there a team you've seen here in the last 48 hours? Uh Uh-oh, hold on, Conrad. Here we go. Again, we're doing the podcast Tuesday morning uh, via NFL Live. There is an AFC North team that as recently as today continues to acquire about Odell Beckham. I'm going to go ahead and guess it's probably not the Ravens. Oh, we know who it is. Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. Your Cleveland Browns. I I, I would not uh, – somebody told me this. Why wouldn't the 49ers consider dangling just the number two overall pick for Odell Beckham? Yeah, I mean, OBJ is definitely a top three receiver in the league when he's healthy. But the thing is, is it's just the whole Antonio Brown situation. As soon as he's done with the guaranteed money, is he going to want a new contract? And what is he going to do for that locker room? And you're talking about Kyle Shanahan, who's still a very young head coach. And it seems like he still has a grasp on that locker room. When you start adding in these diva wide receivers, you don't know what that locker room is going to turn into. So he might save the headaches. And if obviously I think Kyler Murray is going to go number one to Arizona. You can't pass up on Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a is a pure star rush defensive he, end. That's some injury issues, high school and yeah. college. Yeah, uh, he'll be okay. But I believe I'm trying to find the number on Sport Track here. I think Odell Beckham will be the highest paid receiver in the league. Yes, next uh, average salary, Odell Beckham, eighteen million. I mean, I, I just I don't think you can build a winning 
Super Bowl contender when you have the highest paid receiver in the league. No, I, I agree. Just, I agree completely. I uh, agree completely. All right, so you, what's the team you like? So the first one I'll give is uh, Baltimore, under nine wins. Under. Okay, under like nine that. wins. Yep, yep. And uh, this is kind of what we talked about last year when, I mean, they, they end up winning five or six games in a row with Lamar Jackson when he started, and then they kind of ran into uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, the first time that he ever had to go against a team twice. I think next year people are going to know how to play Lamar Jackson a whole offseason to get ready to stack the box with eight people. I know we're talking about Le'Veon Bell and now Mark Ingram possibly joining the Ravens and being a solid backfield, but I'm telling you, there'll be eight guys in the box every single game, and I dare teams, dare teams, to not fill that box and let Lamar Jackson beat him in the air. They also lost C.J. Mosley to my Jets. I'll get to the Jets in a moment. Oh, did he make a lot of money? He did make a lot of money. Uh, He's one of the best run uh, stopping linebackers in the league. They also lost Zadarius Smith, who I think was first or second on them in sacks. Uh, they might lose Jimmy Smith, the cornerback. They lost Eric Weddle, starting safety. They lost uh, a lot. A great defense, losing a lot. I mean, really? John Harbaugh, you came back for that. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm going to tell you, folks, I already like the Jets over. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be six, six and a half. Uh, again, Adam Gaze in Miami. I watched him closely last year. He knows how to use slot receivers. Danny Amendola, he used Jakeem Grant all over the place. He gets Jamison Crowder, he is- maybe the best wide receiver in the slot who was on the market. Uh, and Crowder, is a, he's a smart stud from Duke. Just a really good player in Washington. Great safety valve. He'll open things up for Robbie Anderson deep. Uh, and, of course, C.J. Mosley, uh, who will replace probably Deron Lee, your former Ohio State guy who's kind of – been underwhelming for the Jets um, and mostly one of the best run stopper linebackers in the league I think he was sixth according to pro football focus and then of course the trade with the Raiders for the left guard whose name I won't try to say Usemele something along those lines he didn't have a great year last year but that he's been solid he's been very solid has been falling apart in Oakland so you improve the line you improve the run stopping and you get Sam Darnold a weapon uh, Josh Bellamy was added uh, special teams guy and number four receiver okay um, I, I'm, I'm going to like the Jets over. I'm telling you. Uh, new coach. Remember, we talked about this, Conrad, way back. Uh, the coaching bump, the new coach bump. Usually, one or two teams pop. We saw it with the Colts. New coach and Frank Reich get to the playoffs. We saw it with the, uh, was it the Bears? They got a new head coach? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they go to the playoffs. The Jets get a new head coach. I'm ticketing them for the playoffs next year. For yes. me, for playoffs. me, it's it's not so much what the Jets have done; it's what everyone else in the division has done, and then all it has is just been losing pieces. Miami and the Bills are both going to be under 500 teams next year. I don't know where the Patriots are going to be sitting. They just lost their left tackle, and they lost their best pass rusher in Trey Flowers. I know it's crazy to say early, yeah, the Patriots might not be the same Patriots next year, and they probably will end up winning 12 games. But the rest of the division is not great. So if you have four wins automatically against Miami and the Bills, I know they're not automatic well, the wins. Uh, by the way, but that could be four wins yeah. right there. Let's let's talk. Can we talk about the Bills? I know nobody cares about this dumpster fire. Uh, they added two receivers here: um, John Brown, eh, marginal receiver. You're you're shaking your head. You're scoffing at John Brown as if he's not going to be a huge factor in Buffalo. Uh, And they wisely did not get Antonio Brown. So they ended up with John Brown and Cole Beasley. Josh Allen? That does nothing for me. It doesn't move the meter. How often Uh, does Josh Allen throw a really nice four-yard out route? Frank Gore. He does not. That's not in his repertoire. Uh, They got Frank Gore. Uh, Listen, Frank Gore is timeless. Uh, You got to love Frank Gore. (laughs) Timeless. Kevin Kevin Johnson, uh, cornerback out of Houston. Okay player. Um, and they got the center, Mitch Morris. We know their offensive line was a disaster. 
Bills have done some decent things. I, I'm still not buying the Josh Allen. No, uh, Josh Allen was running for his life last year, and that's probably where he made his most strides, is running for over 100 yards in a game, yeah, I think, three times. Seriously. Other than that, I don't like the Bills. I don't like what Miami has going. I think the Jets is a good thing for the okay. over. Okay. Uh, so do you have a second team that you're eyeballing as a potential over-under? So this is my favorite, and I know you kind of scuffed at it. Arizona over four yeah. and a half. I, uh, about this. Yeah, four you know and a half, uh, assuming that's the line, right? That's the projected line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and this is before Kyler Murray. I am 100% thinking that they're going to take Kyler Murray at the number one overall pick. They're going to put him with Cliff Kingsbury, give him his guy. I said it about a month ago, too. I think they're going to get rid of Josh Rosen. They're going to find somewhere, someone mm-hmm. to take him for a second round pick, first round pick, whatever it is. Get rid of him and put Kyler Murray in there. I think four and a half wins. And they've been out here in free agency making splashes too. Yeah, I like Jordan Hicks. Phil, uh, Eagles uh, linebacker, very good player. And they added T-Sizzle. Um, Come back home. Line. So so they could be looking at Terrell Suggs, uh, the kid Chandler on the other opposite end. Um, but I, I, over four and a half? Yeah. Rookie quarterback. Now they could get the rookie coach bump from Kingsbury. The problem for me is that division, like the Jets division. I mean, Miami and Buffalo are, are not very good teams. You look at the Cardinals division, Rams, probably some regression. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, remind me, I got an unfortunate thing about Todd Gurley here. Uh, Rams, I like them. And Seattle, they're not going to be going anywhere unless Russell Wilson gets I think hurt. I think they're going to regress this season. A little bit. So they, maybe they're a seven-win team, eight, six? I mean, I I, I can think they're going to maybe eight, possibly okay. nine. Because I think they said this was Pete Carroll's best year coaching, honestly, with what he had talent-wise, and they haven't made one move in pre-agency. What about 49ers? I, I'm, I, liked, I think there could be value. Because everybody sold them after they were bad last year. Jimmy G's back. McKinnon's back. Uh, let's see what they do, whether it's Bosa. Maybe they make a play for Odell. I, it's just such a tough division for me. Here's the thing I heard on the Todd Gurley arthritis. And this is, you know, again, I'm not... Ooh, arthritis. I'm not, this is the first I've heard arthritis. Yeah, no, no. It, it came out and then he put out a video saying, I don't have arthritis, blah, blah, blah. Somebody, there's some chatter out here in LA that, um, you know, I guess he's seen some specialists and people are saying he's potentially got the knee. Of a 70-year-old due to the arthritis. Now, that seems crazy. But he has. He's torn his ACL a couple times before. And what the hell happened to him this season? It just wasn't happening. It was the biggest freak that thing we've seen. It was was fluky and it's unexplained. And, you know, uh, some of this arthritis can be unexplained. Seriously. His knee just went. It it was was shot. He could not run the football late in the season in the playoffs. Super Bowl non-factor. So the only thing I don't know about arthritis and stuff like that is how they handle that with the NFL when it comes to stem cells and whatnot. That's what Kobe Bryant and those guys went to Germany. I think he needs to make a trip to Germany uh, in the offseason and get Todd Gurley healthy because I'll tell you this right now. I ain't drafting him in fantasy. I'm not betting the over on the Rams. It's also going to be a lot harder for uh, Jared Goff back there without having one of the best premier running backs in the league. C.J. Anderson was a bit fluky. All right, Uh, so there's a little NFL to wet your beak. As soon as the Le'Veon Bell stuff happens, we will have our takes and our gambling impact uh, probably for Thursday. Uh, And again, Thursday we will be back. More college basketball gambling. Um, Heavy on the March Madness. And, of course, we'll be back Monday here breaking down the brackets and the gambling. We know we love uh, March Madness. So Andrew Lynch will be back Thursday. Yep. Uh, For producer Conrad, I'm your host, Jason McIntyre. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review.